0: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. It's a JJ and the Bear podcast, guest hosted by John Manuel. Thanks for the download. We want to remind you that Baseball America's podcasts are brought to you by Sports Management Worldwide. Jobs in baseball start with SportsManagementWorldwide.com. Training and mentoring from former L.A. Dodgers general manager and former MLB scouts who assist you with becoming scouts, agents, and working in the front office of a professional baseball team. That's all teased at SportsManagementWorldwide.com. That's where you get the info. And I don't know how we let the uh, JJ and the Bear into the, the baseball industry, but it's been a long time now for JJ. And uh, Josh has been uh, barging here for almost a year. So we found a new cave uh, last August and uh, has been here ever since. And now uh, J- Josh just thinks this is normal, JJ, that we do uh, a mid-season prospect uh, update, top 50, but then we also do a 300 scouting report ebook. He thinks that's just par for the course. When we, you and I know... That it's craziness, and just crazy enough that it might work.
1: It, it was something we have debated and discussed and mulled over for years, and every year before this one, in the end, we go, nah, let's don't do that. It's, it is the, it's the craziest month of the year to do it in many ways, because we have the draft in the College World Series, and July 2, International Signing Period, and the and the futures game rosters and
0: yeah, that's not, in that's not insignificant, you know, but all that. And... and the, not just the futures game rosters, but the futures game program, which we produce and have produced for 15 years. We don't just sit in a room and help pick the rosters and do a dream team of rosters. It's actual hard work to do of scouting reports, bios, pictures, and producing a print product, which is, I think a big reason why we're part of the selection process for the futures game.
2: But, um, all you guys really needed was some bear. Yeah, yeah,
1: apparently so. Once we have, you know, we have the bear to the mix, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, let's do an ebook. Yeah. And it's been, uh, it's been very fun to do. It's very fun that it's gone, and we will have it up uh, available for purchase at a pretty inexpensive price, four ninety nine, in the very near future. So, if you want, don't think of it as the prospect handbook mid season edition, because I mean, we don't want to give you an idea that we're going to write a two hundred and fifty word scouting report on everyone. At midseason, that'd be crazy. It would have been that would be crazier than we were crazy enough to do. Correct. We do do have we did rank the top tens in every organization, uh, with a little write up on each of them, a little bit more on the number ones. We picked out some rising uh, prospects, some falling prospects. Who's updates on who's been hurt? Updates on who's graduated? We do took a look at the top. We didn't rank the guys for the draft this year's draft, partly because guys haven't even had to sign yet. Right. Still some unsigned guys, but. We did take a look at the top five picks in everyone's draft uh, with a little you know synopsis on each of them. And then because people keep asking for it and we can't kill it, even if we try, the 2017 lineups are in there. So you can take a look at your proposed look of how your team sorts out for 2017 with many caveats, as in that <laughs> it's not making allowances for free agency. It's
0: not even a best-case scenario. I don't know. What, what should we call that, Josh? Like... Here's what your team would look like under 1970 rules. Here's what your team would look like if you did not have a general manager and thus could not make <laughs> roster moves. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. This is your keeper league roster. You're not allowed to make trades. <laughs> I, I will say this. The, the Twins pitching lineup for or
2: 17 looked pretty decent and almost feasible with Alex Meyer and Trevor May and Cole Stewart and... Like J. O. Barrios. Yeah. None
0: yeah. of whom are in my kitchen, or have ever been in my kitchen, or I believe are going to be in the futures game. Let's do a quick futures game preview uh, because May no, May was injured, in so Barrios was named to replace. And then Meyer
1: replaced May.
0: Okay, so I thought that May. Oh, they were both.
1: I think Barrios was named originally, wasn't he? Yeah, it? Barrios named originally, and then Meyer replaced I, I, May.
0: I misread my futures game rosters. So I apologize, but let's let, let's preview the futures game a little bit here because. We're, we're all Most going, fun event of the year. We're all mm-hmm. going to Minneapolis. I, I thought I had—I uh, freaked out earlier this week over my hotel being booked, but I booked my hotel and our rental car and our my flight on two different times that I booked them. So it kept saying you don't have a flight booked for this trip, and it was like, yes, I do, but not in this same trip. So
2: it's okay when I when I went on a trip earlier this year, I didn't book a rental car until. Midnight that morning, because I totally forgot. <laughs> that, that,
0: that happens, but I think there are going to be more people here for the Futures game than there were at spring training for you, at least in one concentrated place. So I was nervous about that, but I'm excited. I haven't been to the last two Futures games, so I'm looking forward to being back. I think the first Futures game I went to was '4. It was in Houston, and uh, I just remember seeing B.J. Upton, David Wright, Delman Young taking batting practice together. At the time, it seemed really awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. In 2014, eh, not That's as much, nice. That's nice. you know. Uh, in 2004, was really and Aaron Hill was the extra guy in there, MVP, and Aaron he Hill. wound up being the MVP. So he was the fourth there is, guy in their foursome.
1: There is a long history of the MVP award going to someone who you look back and go, "He was the MVP." I just, was, I just Chase saw Wan Lin is pitching now.
0: You were just gonna go. I just was gonna say. Uh, I just saw the Chinese Taipei national team last week. We we normally call them Taiwan, but. When they play in international baseball competitions, they don't want to poke the China bear. So they go with Chinese Taipei. Um, But Wang Wei Lin is their center fielder, or Lin Wang Wei. That is is Lin Chae Shuan's brother. He played six seasons in the minor leagues for the Twins. Now he's on the Chinese Taipei national team. But he did not have as good an arm as his his brother. But like Justin Huber,
1: another another former uh, Futures game MVP. There have been some... Matt Davidson's hoping that he doesn't end up in that because Matt Davidson won it last year. Then I think, if I remember correctly, went on to uh, if he wasn't the uh, AAA All-Star Game MVP, he was like the Home Run Derby champ. I mean, he was he he had a uh, a pretty big week there, and things have not gone as well lately.
0: Yeah, and they call it the Larry Doby Award, which I was not aware of. Is that that's what Wikipedia is telling me? Cool. Uh, it is very cool, but I wish we had a better award for. You know, Larry Doby. Uh, Futures game is kind of cool, but here hear your all-time winners. According to Wikipedia, I'm going to take their word for it. A lot of these I can vouch for because, you
1: know, we've been there.
0: Alfonso Soriano, for sure. Sean Burroughs. I did not remember that Sean Burroughs was the MVP in 2000. Toby Hall, 2001. Jose Reyes, I Like Triples, 2002. Grady Sizemore, Aaron Hill, Justin Huba, Billy Butler. Then Chin Lung Hu in 2007 in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I think I remember I trying re- to interview him on the field, and that did not go easily. But no, I, I remember he. Yeah, was, he was
1: the he was the MVP, and it was one. But I mean, this is an All Star game. The problem with the MVP at the All Star game is like most of these guys are going to get two at bats. Yeah, pitchers are pretty much void from because you are going to get an inning. I don't. Maybe if a pitcher went out there and had the perfect nine pitch, three strikeout inning, maybe he would get consideration. Right. Otherwise, he's not. Maybe Jeff, guy comes in and shuts down a threat.
0: There has not been a pitcher. Who's been MVP? Chase Wan Lin is the only one, but he was not an MVP as a pitcher. Renee Tosoni, oh, I remember Hank, that guy. Hank Conger, Grant Green, Nick Castellanos, Matt Davis. So Nick Castellanos, Billy Butler, Aaron Hill, Sizemore, and Reyes. So 2002 to 2004. That's uh, for here to four will be known as the Golden Age of the Futures Game MVPs, but not a uh, Futures Game MVPs. We had, uh, they must have been good Futures Game, but we have a pretty good one set up for this year. Josh Bear. Who is the player you're most anticipating seeing, with the caveat that it may be someone just that you're looking forward to the most because you haven't seen them yet this year in spring training?
2: I mean, there's. Uh, I'm really looking forward again to seeing my personal cheese ball, Luis Severino, because I saw him once this year, and he was terrible, and I wasn't terrible, but the results weren't there because he got you know, 25% of the runs he's given up his entire career All right. that day. So I'd like to see him on a good day. Um, I want to see Joe Barrios a lot. Um,
0: pitch today, Ben Badler. there well, I'm sure we'll have a report by the time this is posted From Ben, but uh when you to go see him in the Eastern League Up in uh, Connecticut
2: And who Ben saw yesterday, I think Dan Norris is going to be there
0: Daniel Norris uh, should be there, yeah
2: Yeah, I haven't seen him yet But I was only going to see a fellow Norris
0: ben, th- ben saw 33 pitches But they all happened to come in one inning Which was bad for Daniel Norris because that many had to come out I'm yep. um, thinking we're going to see fewer pitches from him And just say maybe one more out Let's hope so uh, if if so even if we don't I'm sure that Daniel Norris will be just cool with it because he seems like he's pretty much cool with everything. If, if, if there's karma, it'll come back around on him.
2: And then of course the the hitting. The the Joey Gallo experience is always good to experience multiple times. Chris Bryant, I haven't seen him since the fall league, but he seems to be doing well for himself. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it seems like <laughs> he's he okay without you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's okay without you. <laughs> and Peter O'Brien, uh he's got as much power raw at least as those two guys but doesn't get to it as much in games but it's going to be a fun batting practice for those three guys.
0: JJ, who are you most looking forward to seeing in the fall in the fall league in the futures game? Who are you uh, who have whether it's somebody you've seen before or someone you haven't seen. I mean, you've seen have, Tyron Guerrero before, but you get
1: to see him again. I have to start with a quibble, which is is that people say that, you know, so and so has as much raw power as Joey Gallo. And the answer is is if you're not talking if we're not talking about Mike Stanton and I might include Bryce Harper in that discussion, otherwise the answer to that is, is no. He has this guy also has eighty raw power, but Joey Gallo's eighty raw power is more eighty raw power. I really
0: Joey Gallo might be the ninety I mean he might be like Billy Hamilton is that point three percent who's off the scale for speed, and I think that that might be Joey Gallo. I'm with you. He I mean, might I'll, be off the scale
2: i'll I'll say this I hear what you're saying, but wait and see. No, no, he he, he, he he parks some balls in places that hey, humans have never set foot. Th- and that's the, about Chris p- Bryant. No, I'm talking about Peter O'Brien. Uh,
1: that that's the thing I'm looking forward to most in this game. The you know, I'm sorry if you're a fan and you're not, you know, you're watching this on TV. The BP before the game, right, is always. I wouldn't say as more enjoyable. I mean, I I love seeing the guys. I love seeing the pitchers. I love seeing you know every now and then you see a great defensive play, right? But to just have the ability. Especially when you get, uh, in a dream scenario, we're going to get Bryant and Gallo in the same BP group. Maybe throw in, you know, O'Brien and that. When that happens, the competitive juices start flowing. You know, one guy hits the ball about 460 feet, and the next guy wants to hit it about 470. It's that, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, you know, Gallo is always fascinating to see. I mean, he truly is, you know, just kind of, but I'm very excited to see, uh, you know Javier Baez for the first time this year, and see, okay, you know, I, I, this could be a Javier Baez could, you know, MVP of this game we just established is not, but Javier Baez nice. could easily be the MVP of this game, or Javier Baez could be the guy who you walk away saying, man, he looked pretty bad here because he's going to be facing premium velocity, he can catch up to that, that's not a problem at all, but the question is, is our guys going to try to challenge him, or are they going to use the approach that they've been using pretty much in AAA this year, which is we're going to make you. You know, shoot, show that you can hit something besides a fastball. You know that hittable.
2: I, I omitted Bryant. To, uh, Bryant Baez too. I've never seen Baez in all my travels, and I really like to see what, uh, what all the fuss is about.
0: I'm really looking forward to Julio Urias. Urias. Oh, yeah. I mean, right. he's just so unique. Urias is unique. I didn't mean to go that way, but uh, you know, the, he's he's so young. He's got the eye issue. I want to see that up close and personal and just see what it's like. And I want to see him pitch. It shouldn't be that big of an issue. I suppose it's not for him pitching. I want to see what how it works. I want to see how it all works. The one thing, seeing it with video, it's a whole other thing to see in person. Out of the pitchers, I think I'm most interested to see him. Uh, I really do want to see Daniel Norris in person because I've read so much about him. He's like a fascinating young man, but also... The scouting reports this year, are, the, stu, the results are finally starting to match the scouting reports. And it started last year, but boy, he got off to a great start in the first half this year. I'd like to see how he rebounds from this uh, poor start they just had the, this week in his last start before the, the Futures game. And uh, I'm kind of interested just to see uh, what the, how the fans in Minneapolis react to a Futures game. That's one thing I like to watch is you know, how much are the fans in that area invested in the miners? Like there were a couple of years ago in Kansas City. Kansas City with the sellout. I wasn't there, but like Kansas City was a sellout. Like please, we're begging you. Um, and it wasn't the same in New York last year, right? City no, Field it was, it's it New York. Nice.
1: I mean, it was a good crowd, but it wasn't anything like in Kansas City. This they were as it seemed like. This has been as, three
0: straight fall uh, futures games that I've missed now because I wasn't in Arizona either.
1: It does seem like that they were more charged up for the Futures game in Kansas City. Than anywhere. Than anywhere
0: else that that it's been. So I would love to see, you know, Minnesota, same division. How how much would it be if if they they had had... Buxton and Sano? This would
2: be a sellout. There would be standing room only. There would be stalkers. That that was going to be my next point.
0: Uh, That's exactly right. If Buxton and Sineau were in this game, I think this would have rivaled Kansas City for the electricity for a Futures game because this is a good baseball market, great ballpark, according to all uh, reports. I'm hoping there's going to be, like, I, I don't know. I haven't seen the celebrity softball. Um, line up. I was hoping Paul Westerberg maybe. Um Prince of course. Uh some <laughs> Minneapolis uh royalty. Uh pun intended. Keep keep, keep on hoping on Some that, music right? royalty. I mean Minneapolis whipped
2: the other day with a scepter. Yeah. So yeah. Didn't come Minneapolis come the owned back. the
0: eighties. Minnesota just own the eighties for music with the replacements and Prince? I mean that's it. You know. It pretty much could have just played the Prince card and been done. But they added the houses. replacements. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, puffy shirts. So um, they could have owned Seinfeld Day too. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, so I'm looking forward. So to me, the ballpark will be a big part of the attraction. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing Urias the most, I think, out of all these pitchers. So, I just think he's the most unique guy.
1: One other guy I want to look at and watch is, is Henry Owens. You can, talk, call. you can talk to scouts who see Henry Owens and say, not that he's not going to be solid. But they say, you know what, the results, the results he's having now, he has a great change up, change ups work, you know, in the minors. And then you have other guys who see him and say, no, 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 no. But the guy I saw is a dominant guy. I'm going to be very interested to see which, you know, in a one inning stint, especially. The the really the question seems to revolve a lot, a lot around what kind of fastball does he have, right? And you can get guys who say, and this average,
0: is, and this is the event where. For the pro scouting side, where else do you get to see a pitcher's top velocity? Because pretty much every pitcher goes here and says, "All right, I'm gonna air it out." Homer Bailey. Exactly. I mean, Homer Bailey is the ultimate in 2006,
1: Five seven, whatever six, year I mean, it was. He just threw fastballs. He every, just threw the pitch.
0: every pitch was a fastball, and he also had a little bleeding like blister didn't, on his didn't. finger, and he just didn't care. He was asking the cop about his gun and the security officer in the dugout. I mean, it was full on Homer Bailey, which is all Texas. Everything he talked about was. I don't care. This is an all star game. I'm throwing the hell out of it every pitch. And hey, what kind of Glock is that? You know, like, <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was a great, it was a great look at Homer Bailey. And uh, so this, this futures game, it's going to be a real, it's, I'm really sorry that we're missing Francisco Montes with his knee injury. That's a guy we knew we would see triple digits out of. Who was the uh, next most likely triple digits guy here? JJ, you saw Tehran Guerrero before Tehran Guerrero was cool.
1: Um, he could, he, it, could it, a, he could give you he could give you a hundred if it's everything. Is Alex Meyer
0: the likely guy? I saw ninety nine out of him. Any
1: Romero could. Romero could do it. Um, Robert Stevenson has had ninety nine a hundred. I don't think he's been doing that very consistently lately, right. but it's been in there. Lucas Giolito. Uh-huh. I mean, you could see. I think right. the, I think this is a group. We're not going to see Bruce Rondon who went out there and it was like, oh wait, he took a little off of it. Yeah, it's exactly. a ninety yeah, nine. That's right. You know, we saw Jordan Ventura, but. You or know,
0: Henry, I always remember Henry uh, Rodriguez uh, when he was with an, an A's farmhand. That I was believe. back when a
1: hundred was something that you it, you you stopped everything. Because that was you'd like seen it. six
0: years ago. That was in New York, I believe, in two thousand eight, Yankee Stadium, Yankee Stadium two, and like he fell down pitching, hitting a hundred, but everyone was still like, "Ooh, he hit a And now that really, just in six years, that's gone from not common to like, nah. Eh.
1: I, I remember making a pilgrimage to see a oldest when Chapman was in triple came through Durham thinking
0: being mocked for tweeting that he threw one Oh three, thinking that's another story,
1: but thinking, you know, wow, this will be my first opportunity 100. to see a hundred taking a picture of my radar gun on my phone at the time, which I think it was probably like a, you know, one megapixel. Um, but, and finding from it, like, you know, thinking I've seen a hundred. When will I ever see that again? And now you go, if you see it, it's very nice, but you don't go, huh? That's something I'll never see again. You say, okay, I'll probably see that again before all that long.
0: It really has changed. How many hundreds have you seen this year, Josh? Have you seen any? I don't
2: think think I've seen a hundred this year. The last I remember was the Cubs' Corey Black. Um, and that was one pitch in Staten Island. And, really? And it was
0: hello. <laughs> how about that, Corey Black. I did not know that he had honored. Is in your books or a book? I didn't remember that I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> did I write that when he was in the Yankees? You've written a yeah. lot of guys. You've written a <laughs> lot of guys. <laughs> you
2: probably wrote it off of my
0: tweet. That's pretty funny. That, no, that's really funny. Um, we have a couple of Twitter questions related to the future game, futures game, but some of them were just prospect related. Uh, how about Benedetto asks uh, best Indians. Outfield prospect Bradley Zimmer, Clint Frazier, Tyler Naquin. I'm taking uh, I'm taking Clint Frazier on that. person. One
1: of these is not like the other. I, I mean that, and no. Right. But Tyler Naquin is still a guy. Better year this year. Still a guy though that you say it's the, that borderline between useful fourth outfielder and regular. And if Clint Frazier ends up as a useful fourth outfielder, I think you feel the NDG You probably end up being pretty disappointed in that. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, agreed. Yeah, I mean, like, those Tyler guys.
0: Naquin's tools just do not add up to those other guys. and I would go Frazier, Zimmer, Naquin. I mean, I think Zimmer might wind up being a lot like Naquin, only a little bit toolsier. It, it is, is strange. Toolsier, though, I think, a it bit. is strange that they have three straight outfielders that they've drafted in the first round. That's just the way their board fell, I suppose, is what Brad Grant would say. And um, we've got uh, BuzzFeed Lenny. I like this question as well. Um, is this Rob Kaminsky surge related to better stuff, better commander, both? I think it's related to the fact that he actually just was allowed to pitch. You know, Rob Kaminsky was one of the top high school pitchers in last year's draft class. It wasn't a big velocity class, but he does throw hard, solid average velocity from a left-hander, 88-92. But he had a hellacious breaking ball, one of the best curveballs, if not the best curveball, in the 2013 draft class. He was highly regarded. Uh, In fact, for most of the year, I'd say he was more highly regarded than Hunter Harvey, who has all the buzz. Uh, Kaminsky was a North Carolina signee. They seemed to attract first round draft pick pitching prospects and Kaminsky just getting a chance to pitch and in the low minors a guy who can throw fastball strikes and spin a breaking ball that guy's going to dominate so right. I'm just I'm not really surprised that Rob Kaminsky I don't mean to pull a circa 2004 Alan Simpson but oh I'm not surprised that he's uh that doesn't play as well on the podcast when I take my glasses off but, but I it, like that impersonation
1: it's not all that surprising you know would I rather have Hunter Harvey than him I'll take Hunter Harvey because I do think he has more pure stuff bedboard i'll put
0: I'll take Kaminsky because I think Kaminsky's going to throw harder and he has the hand speed to spin that breaking ball. that means he's going to have the hand speed to throw what? harder down the line I'll take the lefty with the two plus pitches I mean, I'm not to, saying Harvey doesn't have two right. plus pitches. I'm also going to take for whatever reason maybe I'm just saying this because intern Jacob Emmert is from New Jersey and he's in here. I'm taking Jersey over bandy's high so and the the, the bears six years in New Jersey, thank you very much. I don't think of you as a Jersey guy at all. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you don't have the gold bracelet. To, no, I, I don't fist pump
2: very often, and I never tan. And I rarely do the laundry, and I don't go to the gym. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I like Kaminsky. I'm, I'm pretty bullish oh, like on Kaminsky. I like
1: Kaminsky, too. But I, you know.
0: And I can tell you that last year, the, the, the Cardinals officials I talked to, as here's they, obviously they love Marco Gonzalez. He's already gone to the big leagues. They like Kaminsky better. They thought Kaminsky had more ceiling. I'm well, with would, them. I and I agree on that. And, and I, lo- I, lo- I just put, again, like I said this year on the draft show, with put Flaherty together with Cardinals pitching development equals potential stud. Same with Kaminsky. Thank you. If, if you're going to go on this bet board, maybe you bet on track record. And
2: Absolutely. The, 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 they, get, they know how to pick their pitchers. And Kaminsky, thank you very much. Is proving that short people do have a reason to live. I, I
0: like I like both of them for sure. I, I love that you're 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 the young, like one of the youngest guys on the staff, and your 70s music references I'll drop reference regularly. Randy Newman. I guess you just did. <laughs> do the Scout View reviews? Uh, Youper in Iowa, asked, do the Scout reviews of Jonathan Crawford at West Michigan match up to the decent numbers?
1: JJ, it sounds like they actually exceed the decent numbers, which is the problem. Right, and then the question becomes: Okay. Let's start, let's start by analyzing this. Why is Jonathan Crawford in West Michigan? That's a great question because the Tigers are not known for their patience.
0: Well, but See, not only that, but
1: Jonathan won. Crawford is a guy who logically you would say should be, in some way, shape, or form, ready for the challenge of high A. I will, I'll
0: throw in one caveat. He was an outfielder in high school. He did not pitch much his freshman year at Florida. Now, his sophomore and junior years, he did. So, I mean, he did pitch two years of college significantly, but it would not surprise me if he were more – I think it's fair to assume that he's more raw than the average college right-hander. I also think that there's probably an issue in terms of workload just how many innings they can pitch him because I think that was – I think he was very erratic last year with his stuff at Florida. Uh, entered the year as a you know guy we thought could go in the first 10 to 15 picks. Why not following the twentieth overall? And I think that was a little bit of a surprise that he went that high.
1: But I don't know another way to put it: his stats actually, I would say, are, are pretty poor this year, considering everything. Which is West Michigan, for one, is a very good pitcher's park, I mean, an excellent pitcher's park. And he's not. You really just would like to see a little bit more on the strikeouts, a little bit less on the walks. Again, I'm not saying that like give up on him in any way, shape, or form. But as you said, a little bit less polished than the average you know, weekend starter SEC, you know, high draft pick. That being said, I, I don't think that that's, you'd say that that's a great year. I think that the stuff is actually a little better, as you said, a little yeah. better than the results are right now.
0: Yeah, so that's – I'm not sure how concerning that is because, again, he's – I just think – I'm concerned just that the Tigers haven't moved him aggressively because that is their MO. But I do think that goes back to for a college pitcher – He's less experienced than the average guy. That said, so is Braden Shipley, and Brayden Shipley has been moved a little bit more aggressively by the Diamondbacks.
1: Yeah. He's been more effective. But the interesting thing with this is they're this somewhat is, similar. Maybe this is a little bit of a trend, though, because if you look at that West Michigan staff, that West Michigan staff again in the Great Pitchers Park Zionac has been Farmers, has yeah. been the uh, the college uh, the college pitcher uh, you know all stars this year. You've got uh, you know you've had there you've had you know Buck Farmer has been there co- all year who was Austin a college Kubica.
0: senior, <laughs> yeah, and Austin Kubitz. Uh, uh, hard worked. He's like the new. Uh, he's the new Kenny Ball for the Detroit Tigers. Kenny Ball worked very hard at, at Rice. Austin Kubica was the wet, guy. You know, Austin um, Kubica. was a seventy fastball as a freshman and a forty as a junior. That's the quote I remember from last year's draft. Um, Kevin Zomek, another college guy. Wow.
1: I mean, that is. This is you know. And
0: Chad Green is that? That's not the same Chad Green. Who? No, that's a different Chad. I'm thinking of a different. No, this guy. is you know, this is Louisville, Chad Green, not Kentucky. Right, but Chad still, Green. I mean,
1: their entire starting pitching staff is co- our college guys who you have to. ask. Your second question is: Is oh, nice season. Second question is: Why are you here?
0: Exactly. By the way, just got confirmation from a Blue Jays official that Daniel Norris taken out after three thirty-three pitches just because of pitch count. Right, Too 30, many pitches in the thirty rule. Right. Just, just good to get the confirmation on that. So, breaking news, sort of confirmation here on the Baseball America podcast, the JJ and the Bear podcast. Or J.J. has to go chat, so we're getting our, all of our J.J. in uh, in about five or ten minutes. Or so Bear. we're getting our J.J. in before oh, no, Bear. Because
1: I've, I've already answered like a hundred questions on Midseason Update.
0: Well, I better ask Bear some questions than here. Uh,
1: Bear, besides, uh, uh, the, the,
0: you said your personal cheese ball, Luis Severino. I did want to ask you a Yankees-related question, so we had a lot of Yankees. Obviously, they're one of the 30 teams that we did in our Midseason Update. That organization's draft from last year, we rated it as the best draft Last October, when we did draft report cards, what's the interim report on that? I, mean, I guess there was some bad news on that front, was there not, from the, I, I, last I, year's draft
2: class? All year, I mean, besides Chickalow being hurt, the reviews on him at third base had been poor at best. Um, talking about him moving to first somewhere down the line, I mean, internally they they talk about you know defense is something you can learn you can learn better than any of the other tools. Uh, which Nolan I agree. Aronado,
1: Nolan Aronado
2: says hello. hello absolutely. Uh, but the reviews this year were were scathing, and that's being nice. Um, they said he'd run into a lot of power. That's not a question. But will he be able to hit for average at the high levels? And that's, uh, that's, that's a question down the line. Ian Clarkin went on DL today. I'm on it today, a couple days ago. I'm still trying to figure out why, but the rumor has something to do with his ankle, and maybe he's slipping on a ball again. Um, and, and, and Aaron Judge is, is doing quite well. He, he made my 51 through 75, which you can find in our handbook. I just gave you one of. Uh, he hit the heck out of uh, South Atlantic League pitching as well he should have. He's We, have talked, we just talked about uh, Jonathan Crawford doing really well as a college guy in low A, and Aaron Judge did really well as a college guy in low A, and now he's doing pretty well in high class A. So, mixed reviews this year on that draft, but certainly not any reason to, to slam it early.
0: Is it a great sign or a bad sign for the system of the breakout players to their system this year? Not breakout, but the big news in their system have been guys like Peter O'Brien and Robert Refsnyder, Snyder, who can really hit, or college players that can really hit, but at the same time, neither one really has a true defensive home. Well,
2: I think that's par for the course. With that, with that, we talk to we talk a lot with scouts about we have a lot of guys who seem inathletic or not very athletic, who they can hit a little bit, and they don't have a defensive home, and that goes against the the vaunted profile, right? That that the Yankees came up with back in the day under uh, Bill Livesey, I believe.
0: Yep, 20-plus years ago now.
2: And they just don't seem to use it anymore, and the results have been poor. So that's why you get a guy who can't really do much defensively and needs to be a DH or a first baseman. And last I checked, you can only have one of those things at the major league level. But if you have guys like Greg Bird, who is an inathletic first baseman, and Dante Bichette, who the reviews are not That's not on. even
0: yeah, – let's not even discuss Dante Bichette in this in, in this uh, Fair enough. In context. We're talking about prospects here. So.
2: fair enough. And guys like Peter O'Brien as well. And now we're trying to find a position for Rob Refsnyder, who has tried second base to mixed reviews at best and is moving back to his original home of the outfield. That gets first start in right field since 2012 today. Uh, that's the problem. They've got guys who can hit a little bit, but they can't really play defense and you need to have some defense at some point. My thing with Snyder is, as I explained on another interview the other day, if you bring him up, and he's not a polished second baseman, he's not a good second baseman, and you pair him with Derek Jeter up the middle, you're going to get a vacuous hole in the <laughs> middle of your infield. You're going to have to pray that every ball is hit to Mark Teixeira.
0: That, and then the thing is, if you put him in right field, even as good of a year as he's having this year, it's 11 he's home runs. He doesn't profile there, and you've already got basically two center fields, center fielders in Ellsbury and Gardner. I mean, Ellsbury obviously has 130 home run right. season, J.J., was, but
1: if this was the... 2002, three, four, you know, 1998, you know, Yankees where you were getting a rod. You're not getting, you know, mid career key deep enhanced, potentially a rod. Or there. just to go to in the very base, recent
0: past, if you had a second baseman who hit 30 home runs like Robinson, a year, Cano. as they had in Cano, you could have a right fielder who didn't hit, Thirty home runs but if a year. you
1: have that. If that's your right. outfield, then you really do have a question of okay, where's the power coming from?
2: Right, and you've got your prototypical right fielder down the line in Aaron Judge. That's your big hairy monster with the big club who mm. can just mash balls like Josh Hamilton did in that home run derby.
0: And Aaron, yeah. and Aaron Judge has won a home run derby. I saw him win it in uh, Omaha a couple of years ago, and he's a he's certainly a beast physically, and he hits them far. Oh no, he, he even makes, with bad bats, he makes.
2: Above average sized men look like little
1: children. Um, but if, if you put, I was talking Refs- to him at the South Atlantic League All Star Game. I really felt like I was four feet four I, foot eight.
2: I commend you for being so brave as to talk to him. <laughs> 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 um, He's nice. But but Rob Resnider is neither big nor hairy nor a monster.
0: So, <laughs> but outside of Dylan Batansis and obviously Tanaka, that's a, that's a big monster. There really hasn't been a good story on their prospect pitching side really this year. Severino. Oh, Severino, Luis Severino.
1: Severino, and and. and you know, Ian I mean, Clarkin what, has been, I would. think Ian Clarkin has been everything
2: you would expect Ian Clarkin to be this year. But, I mean, Severino, as I talked about on Twitter, lately, in, in high A, since he's moved to high A, 20 and two-thirds innings, 11 hits, I think two runs, or four runs, six walks, 28 strikeouts. Well,
0: you were definitely on him. And then, you uh, know, Shane Green. Shane Green, and we, we had him a good in story. the handbook. Uh, we had him
2: at 14 or 15 in the handbook. 16 in the handbook. And he's, he's in the major leagues this year. He's got very, very, very good stuff. Sinks the ball real well. Has a nice... Uh, can we say bastard slider? We just we can, did. We just did. All, on the podcast. It's a matter of whether he can control the zone. And if he if he does everything right, he can be a rotation guy. Maybe a back end, but he can be a guy.
0: I know you also did the Phillies in the book, and you did the Phillies in the midseason handbook, along with other teams. Uh, it almost feels like the Phillies have less good news than... And the junkies. No, now, now I'm sad. They have less.
1: They have <laughs> less good news.
0: They've got
2: JP Crawford, who got really good reviews, and they have Michael Michael Franco, who's he's still 21, and he's he's, a, he's gotten hot lately. He's gotten very hot lately. He's hitting triples for some reason, which is weird because his foot speed is not his his. Thing. What he's known for? He's got he's got everyone is talking. Like
1: Twenty speed, maybe 30.
2: Yeah, he had a triple yesterday, which I kind of fell out of my chair. Um, but he's got great defense over at third base. See, I, I
1: still would go great. I would go I mean, as better. Improved. I mean, improved.
2: Everyone I talk to loves his defense, and even the manager, Sandberg, said they'd take him over ashy defensively. No, I,
1: I know all that. I, I just I struggle believing. I, I believe he can be very solid there. I, I just don't believe with the tools he has. He I can, can
0: believe be... that he's capable, and I can believe that he's probably above. But, again, I, I do think that's absolutely true. Defense improves more in the minor leagues than anything else. Can no, no, really It really just takes I mean, dedication, I mean, yep, work, as as and the, the right instructor.
1: And the right position. 'Cause you, can, well, you that can't I was say, but you can't make a shortstop. Right. You, you can't can,
0: make a you can't make Michael Franco a shortstop. So but lack
1: of first. The third base goodness. and second base, those are those are effort positions as right. much. You gotta have it's some like tools emailing. like hands. But you you have to have tools to hands. <laughs>
2: thank you. <laughs> I was a decent enough rebounder in my day, thank
0: you. <laughs> right. I'm scrappy as heck. But I mean, like, <laughs> pitch, but like, but back to the Phillies. Like, who is the Phillies' best pitching prospect? If it's not Jesse Biddle, or is it still Jesse Biddle by default? It's still Jesse Biddle. It's still a guy who
2: had plantar fasciitis last year and whooping cough, and is on the temporary inactive list to get his confidence back, and was concussed by hail this year. Concussed that, by hail. I missed that story. He he had a, a car that he went out and uh, I think a newish car, and did a freak hailstorm in Reading and he was outside in it, and he just got pelted by chunks of hail and was on the the seven-day concussion deal. Are you serious? I am deadly serious.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That must have been during draft covers that I missed that story. It was. And the resulting, I'm sure, cacophony from you.
2: I was in Reading a little bit this year, and they were talking about the the body shops just made a a windfall, like Scrooge McDuck money. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> after that hailstorm,
0: Scrooge <laughs>
2: McDuck, buddy, you drop it into the pit of the gold coins, oh and somehow not injuring yourself
1: because physics. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this has turned into a JJ
1: and the Bear podcast. This is what we, This is what I deal with on a regular basis, <laughs> for good that's, and bad.
0: That's pretty hilarious. Well then, <laughs> no Jesse, but J- Jesse Bill, that's that's too straight. But you're not off him. you're not off him, JJ. The, the, He's still their guy. Their best pitching prospect. Someone
1: has, to, I mean, you know, we, we, we I, the way I do it, like I, I did the Angels list last year, you're you ranked 30. That's right. You know, and if you said, what do you, if you, if you said, you asked me though, what do I think Jesse Biddle's going to be? You think, what's the likelihood that he's going to be a quality big league starter? Right. I would put it at, uh, I'd say it's less than 50 50.
0: Yeah. I think the percentage is falling for sure year by year. Is there a good story, a good a good news story in the Phillies organization? Who's your rising guy? Uh, I think my rising guy was Cam Perkins, and and JJ knows apparently that you don't short catcher.
2: Oh yeah, Williams Dio, the uh, bad-bodied catcher, or just uh, a catcher with a head, no neck, and a and a
0: torso. <laughs> Does he have small hands like you or no?
2: I, uh, stop that.
1: <laughs> I can't do anything about these. You can't do anything about your tiny But Estadio can hit. I mean, yeah, he, he really can, can. can. It's a short uh, – I mean, uh, for lack of a better – but the thing about when you've got a guy with short arms, DJ Peterson is this way. So you've he's kind of
0: like the Phillies Angel uh, Angel Salome that we were just talking about earlier today.
1: I don't know if he's going to catch in the – you know, going to be able to catch long-term. I mean, and it's a not a good body. But when you have those short arms, you can have a very direct stroke. I mean, Yogi Berra said you don't hit with your face. You don't hit with your stomach, either. He's... He's...
0: What does this have to do with small hands? Stop it! <laughs> sorry. That's I'm... Real, that's really enough out of okay, you. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I do. i apologize. Crash your I podcast.
2: Will, I will ball my small fists together and give you the <laughs> annoyance small, of a lifetime. Small fists of rage. <laughs> I'm um, like raging a calf. What, raging other orgs,
0: what other orgs did you wind up doing? Uh, the Brewers and the Twins. They, I know the Twins, I, mean, we've, I think people know what's in their farm system. The Bucks Buxton, the scenario, really the good. pitchers. It's really good. But yeah. the Brewers, that's an organization that's had a good year. The Major League level, obviously. But the Minor League level, you actually had more than 10 guys to try to fit into a top 10.
2: It was quite the argument for who was the 10th guy. You had to squint a little bit on number 10.
0: And and these aren't like super prospects. This isn't like the Twins list where you go, man, right. I'm
2: leaving off a guy I'd really like to but put But my, my lead-in for that intro was, you know, entering the, this season, they almost had nowhere to go but up. We ranked them 29th uh, this offseason, yeah. and they did go up. They did not surpass the Angels. Um, Jimmy Nelson one. looks like a viable viable Major League starter whenever the, the Brewers want to pull that trigger and send Marco Estrada to the land of somewhere else. Uh,
0: Known as the bullpen. Well, that's <laughs> true. <be. laughs> but, I mean, th- this is even not even counting their 2014 draft, guys, which... Are pretty boomer bust, you know? Yeah, uh, again, oh, but Jimmy, we'll see. If
1: Jimmy Nelson graduates, which one? Jimmy Mike Nelson wait. would sure hope that he will. But if Jimmy, because he doesn't need that many more starts to do it. But if Jimmy Nelson graduates, we said at the draft, their top three picks, prospects in next year's draft, maybe. I mean, next year's prospect handbook may be their top three picks in this draft because right. all three of those guys are that. I see
2: Madero's the, the the lefty out of Hawaii. Yep, yeah. good for him. The uh, the athletic guy, Monte Harrison, who can. Use all sorts of things on various sporting fields. Correct. And uh, Jacob Gatewood, who we just talked about uh, for the the home run derby last year at the Futures Game, hit balls all over city, That's city. Right. Hit power.
0: That's right. Um, for either of you guys, but first for JJ, since you kind of marshaled all of our forces for this book, which farm system like took you the most by surprise, either on the positive or the negative side, where when you were editing their ten for this handbook update. Like wow, this is a lot better than I thought it was. They're like, oh my gosh, what happened to you, Sulu? Turn around. Well, the That's A's, a JJ, we, and John' inspection. We, we,
1: we, the A's, we knew, we, right. we, the trade, we reflected the trade. The trade, the Cubs' trade's in there. So at the last minute, we had to do some surgery and take their number one and number two prospects out of the top ten. That's an ugly ten. And when you do that, they're left with. Not really. Their top two prospects are guys who as I always put. Those are guys who would be very good as a fourth, fifth prospect. I
0: like system. their top three. I like Daniel Robertson. That's a quantum leap forward year. He's hitting for power. He's an infielder. Maybe he stays at shortstop, but I mean, maybe not. Then you, Nunez, you we're not on Nunez. We're going to
1: see at the futures game.
0: Going to be really interesting. The, the power numbers are significant, and I like Matt Olson. Who's, a, the, who's
1: a power guy who walks? You know, seventy-seven he's, walks already. That, his numbers. Jumped off you, the page you, to me. You, You're kind of like, okay, you know, is, is he a good Chris Carter? Is that, you know, in some ways? It sounds like a money ball
0: guy. Good a question, but walks. he is. I mean, he's a three true outcomes guy. And the thing is, in high school, he was thought of as a field for hit guy mm-hmm. by the scouts in Georgia. So, there's so I like
1: some, him. There is some possibility his batting average could do better than the what
0: like does so him in high school. But, the, but then you look at the rest of that system, and boy, it's a good thing their big league rotation is young and fairly cost-controlled, and they do have depth because there's nothing coming. On the
1: pitching side, well, nothing. They they could make one move like this. They did. That's I right. You know, I don't. I mean, they I, shot I their. Mean, bullet. A good way to kind of. We'll we'll get back to the question you asked, but you know, I, I do think with this trade, you look at it, and it's one of those trades that it. That's it was Saturday night, wasn't it? Last Saturday night that this happened. When was so the fourth well, of July? Four night, night, was Friday, Friday night. night? Sitting there, and it's like when it first comes out, you're like, wow. And the first thing that hit me when they were talking about the rumors of it was, is that. If this is a two-team deal, Addison Russell has to be part of it. Because the A's had no way to do this deal Right. that does not involve Addison Russell. And then you can go to the question of, if you're the Cubs, oh, well, they just collected. They, in some way, shape, or form, now have four shortstops, which seems crazy. You know, you can say three. Or as many Alcantara in a different mm-hmm. system, maybe it's four. Right. If Alcantara
0: were on the Mets, he'd have been their big league shortstop to start the year last year. That's. <laughs> I mean, so, that's where ours Mendy is.
2: Uh, Ars Mendy, major leaguer. Yes, that's, that's right.
0: True. But you see that, but then you say at the same time that was really more of a Mets dig than an Alcantara oh, bonus. I know. I'm know. just okay. noting that he's, he's up I was the hoping you would help pile on the Mets, but, <laughs> but yes, getting back to this trade. But
1: you know, you look at it and you say, if you're the Cubs, this, this trade is one of the. They they now have they can, they can go in so many different directions right now. Do they need more pitching? Absolutely. At, the other thing I'll make a point with that though is, is the A's needed pitching coming in this year, and look how they did that. You can, you have to get lucky, you have to scout well, but you can get creative. The A's have managed to get through the first half where they didn't have Jared Parker. Right. They've had multiple injuries, and they went okay. We we've reclaimed Scott Kazmir. Right. Thumbs up. You know Jesse Chavez goes from being a eh, reliever to being a frontline starter. Shocking. You know Sunny Gray they developed from this you know themselves, and you and you look at it and say wow he's He's, a lot of guys had a shot at the draft, Sonny Gray. They're the ones that pulled the trigger. Right. What I, I guess what I'm saying is is you can do things in some ways. Yes, I know it is hard to find pitching. But the Cubs have shown it right now. They reclaimed Jason Hamill. Jason Hamill, that was a one-year, $6 million deal. I think
0: it's also harder to find power these days than it is to find pitching. I mean, it's harder to keep pitching healthy, but it's harder to find power in that case. Josh, I like this trade for the Cubs. Even though I don't think of Addison Russell and Billy McKinney as power guys, they have athletes who can hit. And, you know, they might have traded Scott Feldman for their current ace in Jake Arrieta if Arrieta has figured it out. And He was a highly regarded amateur and minor league prospect. So for me, I like this trade for the Cubs. I do expect that one of those four shortstops or some of these hitters Will get spun elsewhere and it would not shock me if they were spun to the Red Sox where you know Jason McLeod, uh Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein helped identify some of the Henry Owens'es or the Matt Barnes and Anthony Renato's of that farm system
2: absolutely right, and I was going to go there with i mean you you can take this farm system and probably make a trade for any player in baseball that who does whose name doesn't rhyme with bike gout <laughs> you, you could if if they if they were so inclined. They could spin off and get David Price. Because nothing
0: rhymes with Puig. (laughs) No no one's getting Puig out
2: of Los Angeles. That's that's Puiggy Wood right there. You ain't getting him.
0: (laughs) Um, Sorry, you lost me on Puiggy Wood. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, they could probably
2: get any pitcher they wanted, just about. You could get David Price right now, I'd imagine, with that system. If if they were so inclined. What about next year, you can go get Giancarlo Stanton?
0: And that's a farm system to get back to that question, J.J., Farms that probably left you wanting, yeah, Tampa oh, Bay. Oh yeah, I mean, but I guess oh, it yeah. wasn't as big
1: of a surprise. It was a surprise, but there is no number one prospect right now. I mean, your your choices for number one. I'm not going to give everything away, but here it's not going to be that exciting. No, they're not going to be raise fans. who are like, okay, now I have to rush out because, fans. You know, but hey, there are there there are Jonah fans. Jonah Carey they just, but they just, J- there are a lot of bloggers. No, there are raised fans. Calabella's they owners. can't make it to the game though. I, I my grand my grandmother lives in in St Pete. And her friends have told me, yeah, we're Rays fans, but the games end. I mean, we're in bed by nine. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not. That's I'm, that's what she's her friends say, and that's true. That's they the, really
0: just should take the roof off and play nothing but day games. I
1: think I think the classic Rays
2: epitome of this season is they had a pigeon delay I think yesterday,
1: <laughs> and they are, they play it ball inside. <laughs> but but no, the Rays the Rays number one prospect possibilities, kind of looking at it. You got Taylor Guerrero who is. Just returned to the mound. Just Eleven returned. months in, good for him. One Just returned perfect. to the mound in the GCL. Just returned to the mound from Tommy John and a drug suspension, served at the same time. Um, Smart man. And Hawk Julie, a shortstop coming off of a knee injury who has a sub 600 OPS in AAA
0: and bats ninth basically every day for a 500 AAA team. And who are the other choices? That Justin O'Connor,
1: I can't who hasn't pick off but he hasn't. But who hasn't really. I mean, you're, you're still hoping he's going to hit, but he's had plate discipline issues throughout his career. He's never really hit. He's got some power. The
0: guy who was probably, in retrospect, their best prospect coming into the year was their number ten prospect, and Kevin Kiermaier. He's heard he's hit a lot more this year, and so they've actually gotten. Well, well their yeah, number one coming story.
1: in. I mean, Oderiz has been solid. I mean,
0: right. You know, and Kevin Kiermaier has been oh, awesome. You only,
2: you only need to take one look at Kevin Kiermaier at Durham. That's a stud. Yeah. That's the, a that's a pure grade A, 100% beef stud out there.
1: But that's. I mean, that's the team. Um, on, the, on the flip side? As usual, Josh, you just went one step too far. That's what makes Bear, Bear. On the flip side, I do think the Rockies, um, I think it drops off pretty quick. Yeah, that's but, a that's an intriguing farm system. But you look at it, I've had multiple guys tell me, said so that Asheville team is, okay, do you stop at three? Do you go to four legit prospects? I mean, because you've got Dahl, whoever, you know, Dahl, McMahon, Tapia, and...
0: Uh, Bracano, Bracano, you
1: know Briseño, the catcher is, is pretty intriguing as well that's not just there then you go up a level and you say okay Roselle Herrera pretty interesting Trevor Story still gaining acceptance there's some you know there's something there's something there the Dan Quayle of their farm system there's something there and then you go to the AAA and you got Jonathan you know you double A AA and triple A you know this year you got Jonathan Gray who by the way right. is their best prospect yep. that's
2: that's and a pretty good and goal. also a guy doesn't count that has, has shoulder issues Eddie Butler well, he's going to rank once he counts again for the book. Right,
1: that's true. So you put it all together, and and that's a really solid system at the top. Now you get down to ten, eleven, twelve, and
0: and they also had a finally season from Tyler Matzik. I mean, he didn't break through in a big way. The fact that, that guy's he's in the major useful. leagues, they've had he has been useful. They had a lot of injuries. They called on him. He hasn't embarrassed them. I'm happy for him. That guy's had nothing but struggle since his major league, his pro career started.
1: Corell Prime made the South League All Star Game, and and uh, Ramiel Tapia didn't. I was kind of ahead bummed. of his
0: brother Optimus. But Corell oh, Prime I is, I mean, he,
1: you know, that's he's, a
0: Josh joke. You're rubbing off on me.
1: I'm just like <laughs> You're just plowing I'm, through, I'm just like, plowing like a through. like a truck through a billboard. Yes, <laughs> but uh, you know, Prime is pretty intriguing. Toolsy, I mean, with power, uh, you know, but. You probably, you know, you you say okay, maybe not, but yeah, it could maybe. It's again, it's an interesting system. It
0: is an interesting system. Um, I, the the I did the Cubs and White Sox. I actually thought the White Sox were trending forward as a farm system last year. I don't. Know, I feel like their pro, their progress has been halted by Matt Davidson stinking uh, all the injuries right before the book went out. Concussion for Courtney Hawkins. Tim Anderson broken, broken. wrist for for Tim Anderson. Knee injury for Francis Montes. And you're looking at the pitching and outside of Tyler Danish, you're like, eh. It's a little struggle to find. You know, Jacob May had a really bad... yeah. bad a, a really bad June. and a good June. A, a, but he, it was a terrible start. Super June. He's, I, he's got 23 doubles now. I'm all in on happened. Jacob May. I like Jacob May. So, I mean, I ranked him in the top 10 last year. I would have liked to have seen... That's a system that feels like... It just hasn't maintained the momentum. But again... You have still, two, it's still, well, it's still I mean, way beyond
1: where, when, what I usually think of as White Sox systems. It's like, wow, that's a disaster.
0: Like, like the scout told me a couple of years ago when I was talking about Astros draft, it takes two good drafts to make up for that one really bad draft. So that's where I think kind of the, the White Sox are. The, the, and and this year's draft will really depend on, kind of, do they yeah, sign
2: uh, Carlos Rodon or not? And uh, I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm unqualified in my love for Tim Anderson. That guy I could watch all day, every day. I think he's had the best all-around game that I saw this year, and that includes Gallo. But um, the, the, And just as Jacob over here in the corner points out, they've got a reclamation project in Terrence Marin who's tearing up. Uh, Terrence-ing up? He, yes. He, he, has, he has a
1: high a now, ball, is a solid high-A pitcher now. Indie ball, ball story. Re- reclamation story. But the, the thing with Tim Anderson that I would say, though, is, is that the, the question we still have to watch with him is, is where is he going to end up playing?
0: Right, and that's a question for a lot of their young infielders, it sounds like like uh, Troy Michalczewski. I think I got that oh, one Trey, right, oh, Trey. Oh, you oh, right. botched the first name. That's horrible. The last name i was oh, so focused on Michal chesky I botched the first name. Oh, I'm Trey Michal Chesky <laughs> You might remember me from such games as botched third base ground ball mm-hmm. and second botched third gra- third base ground ball and third, because it sounds like first base or DH. It sounds like batter's box is his only position right now. Uh, but Tim Anderson – Mike scout. Johnson
1: is not a sure bet that he he's going
0: to second. I talked to a scout who said, Tim Anderson said a shortstop last year. I thought when he first came here, you know what? There's a lot to work with there. I think that he can get better. This year it's like second base is going to be a stretch for him, and you know center field a little possibility for him for Micah Johnson. So uh, you know th- there hasn't been progress for some of those guys. It's early. They're both an A ball, but the early returns are not encouraging.
1: Right, I mean, as far as defensively, those defensive returns are are encouraging. The Nationals, I guess, another I brought them up because that's another farm
0: system that it seems like there's just not a whole lot of there there with the Nats Mm -hmm. outside of Lucas Giolito. I was going to say, but
1: that's a good. I I do come back to I do come back to like stars like with with the Cubs. The Cubs system is not still as deep. I could the Pirate system I would say is probably deeper than Twins system is probably deeper. But I do think the Cubs have the best farm system in baseball because if you have three top ten prospects. That is, that is that that outweighs like okay you yes. can have ten and you know but you're ten very good prospects and I have three top of the line right. prospects I'll take the three. The only team that can compete with them on that is the Twins because the Twins have two top fifteen prospects at least. And right. with,
2: with the Nationals, I will point out that it's not a one star show in Hagerstown. They've got Wilmer Defoe there, who's putting up a wonderful year,
1: yes, uh, and, so
2: and, and Rafael Bautista. Also putting up a really nice year there. Those two combined, at the top of the order,
0: have stolen 72 bases this year. And I like A.J. Cole. I stuck A.J. Cole in my 51-75, but I'm just thinking, like, uh, Michael Taylor's Steve, had a nice year. Steven like...
1: Seuss is a hard guy to figure out, but he at the is. same time, there's something there. You know, there's something. Very
2: loud contact, and our friends at TrackMan uh, registered him as uh, the hardest hit ball all last year in the Arizona Fall League. He makes some very,
1: very loud contact.
0: He does. This is an organization that depth is not its middle name. It's there. There is but, some potential star power, though. I but, agree. But I,
1: and I, again, Michael Taylor. We had, we had some questions about Michael Taylor. You know, when we did our fifty, he did not make our fifty. The thing I'm going to go into a digression here that uh, that I, I'll, I'll give the John Manuel a little warning here because I'm going to mention things you know like Babbitt, but <laughs> Michael Taylor's strikeout rate this year. He's having a great, great year. Here's why there is some reason for at least a little bit of skepticism, though. Michael Taylor's strikeout rate this year has gone up. He's striking out 30% of the time. His power's gone up, too. Okay, so that's a good trade. Sure. You hit for more power, you strike out. He's also hitting, though, for the best average of his career by far. Well, why is that happening, even though he's striking out more? He's hitting 440 when he makes <laughs> wow. contact. The best way I can explain it is, is Mike Trout, if you design the player who would hit the best anytime he makes contact, Mike Trout will be that guy. He can beat out balls in the infield. Right. He hits the ball really hard. Mike Trout's career batting is 365. It's fair to say that Michael Taylor may be hitting 320 right now, but over a longer term, he's really more of that 260-270 hitter at best that he's been. I think there's a step forward this year, but I do think that those numbers right now, he's a great power speed prospect. You know, again, he's a very good prospect, but don't just look at it and say, wow, he's hitting 320, 400, 550, and go, this is the guy he is.
0: Right. I'm with you. Bear, anything else for you to uh, – we're supposed to poke the bear? Is that what I understand? No, we're not, gonna pro-
1: we're not poking the bear this time. We'll save poking the bear for next time. Uh, we're, we're at the 52-minute mark, which is usually – We haven't even really gotten into the 50, though.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess we haven't. I guess I thought we dis- we discussed so many of these players. Uh, we haven't gotten into the rankings Josh, we did a mid-season
1: top, if you're listening to this and don't know, we've done a midseason top 50. I think people think people you know. probably do know.
0: I'll tell you one of the guys in the 50 that we haven't talked about. You mentioned the Pirates organization that, JJ, we discussed. It's your cheese ball, Tyler Glasnow. And, I mean, it feels like Tyler Glasnow, you could rank him as high as you want to. I mean if you wanted to make <laughs> the case make them, you If you them want to make the Tyler ones. right but if you want to make the case that Tyler Glasnow had the best stuff of any minor
1: league pitcher could you make that case nah, Is he in that discussion? He's in that discussion. I wouldn't say best. I mean I'd say he's in that discussion though. I do think that Giolito on a pure if you're grading out the pitches stuff, I think Jonathan Gray if you're grading out the pitches are both like, because knows the thing about it is it's a third pitch. Glasno's, and Glasnow's second pitch even isn't in that same discussion. What Glasnow does is, is that Glasnow's fastball is really, really hard to square up.
0: I think what he does is he doesn't give up hits, which is kind of the, you know, the most basic part of the game is to hit the ball, see it and hit it. He doesn't give up hits. No.
1: And now, I mean, again, you want to see him do that at higher levels too because as he goes higher levels, you expect the thing with him is, is that you expect his control is going to get better. I know people can look at it and say, wow, he walks too many guys. He does. Sure. He also, though, I feel like in many ways is ahead of schedule because he is a really tall pitcher. A whole lot of those really tall pitchers, if they do figure it out, it doesn't come until 24, 25. As the right. scouts put it to me, he said, the thing about a six foot seven, six foot eight pitcher is if he's good, he's good for a second or his third team. Because the first team gets tired right. of him. Johnny Helwig says hi.
0: Um, you know, I'll like, say Randy Johnson tweets hello. You know,
1: but but you know, and look at I mean, Randy Johnson at the age that Tyler Glasnow was right now, and just Tyler Glasnow is not Randy Johnson, but at the age that Glasnow was, Randy Johnson was barely a prospect from the standpoint. of, you have to throw the ball, at Well least he's probably you, a USC. Yeah, and at USC, <laughs> I've heard the you know, I've heard the the quote before that you know when when they were at USC. Randy Johnson was a worse uh, prospect. Was pre- you know At times, he was probably not as good a prospect as a future scouting director.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because so, his
1: catcher was... Damon
0: Appa. Yeah, you know, or was he maybe he wasn't as good of a prospect as NFL coach Jack Del Rio. That was another catcher.
2: If I may, uh, we have breaking catcher-based news. Uh, the Red Sox have DFA'd...
0: AJ Brzezinski. ...and
1: called up Christian Vasquez. Absolutely... I, I have, you basically called that in the book you, and, you did the Red Sox and I, I would say that Christian Vasquez should be a very regular catcher for them that until was, Blake Flyheart comes with fun the, the hey, intro hey, move you to the hunt. intro
0: to the, the book was the Red Sox won with an older team in '04 but their subsequent championship teams well, it was a younger team in '07 then went back to an older team in 2013 and that team clearly has aged out. And it's time to start another youth group. Uh, youth, youth, and they group. have the group, and they have the guys to do it, and they do.
1: And if I
2: may say, I think Vasquez leaving the Futures Game makes room for Blake uh, Swihart.
1: At this point, it becomes tough. At, at this point, point it's, it's all become... about
0: who's close to uh, Minnesota, basically.
1: Well, go on, Blake Swihart. outside Minnesota. I don't, Minnesota I don't know
0: if uh, the if the AAA Iowa Cubs have a uh, have a. Catcher who can, who can join this game.
1: Josmel Pinto says that he wouldn't mind us. There on. you go. Manny
0: Ramirez can come on. Why not? He's not a catcher, how, but why how not? About, speaking of catcher, you actually transitioned me to I was to about the next question. We made Blake Swihart our top-ranked catcher on this list, Josh. I know JJ's very bullish about that. How about Bear? Are you bullish on this, or are you bearish on that ranking?
2: Bear is bullish. I okay. like Blake Swihart quite a bit. I saw him for, I think, three three or four games this year. And he's excellent. I, I don't think I got to see him throw because nobody ran on him. Because you don't run on him. Because he's throwing, I think, about 50% of runners out this year. He hits well from both sides of the plate. He's done nothing wrong this year. He's, I uh, think he's a top-catching prospect in baseball and maybe a top-30 prospect in baseball. Oh,
0: he's like top-15. Yeah. Top <laughs> yeah, so he's like, now maybe. We have him. Uh, well, absolutely then. You said that was quite a bit of conviction. There. We have him 14th. 14th. With Austin we... Hedges seventeen. So part of it was Austin <laughs> Hedges having kind of a soft season, J.J., offensively, more of it was just the robustness of the scouts' opinions of Blake Swihart, correct?
1: Right. Well, the, th- the thing about it is, is that when you're comparing the two,
0: Austin Hedges— And throw in Kevin Ploiecki and Jorge Alfaro
1: into this discussion right. as okay. well. Okay, well, let's start. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll start by working our way up. Jorge we're backing Al- back up. Jorge Alfaro. The truck. Okay, you don't drop, you know, but, but Jorge Alfaro, you look at him and you say, tools-wise, matches up very well with these guys. But at some point, and I'm not saying you give up on them, but anyway, but when you're comparing these guys, Jorge Alfaro, his, you'll see some good receiving, and you'll see receiving that you go, wait, how did he miss that ball? You
0: some receiving and some retrieving.
1: Right, yes. and you are And his pass ball, I think he's up to 19, I think now, 18, 19 this year. That's his
0: customary full year total.
1: Right. At so, some
0: point, the tools have to be paired with skills. Right. He's, and he has improved skills. But that just tells you how raw he was, because the guy, the, the young, the guy is just twenty-one. Right, you don't give up. L- l- let me say this to you: He's
2: on a staff that includes, as we've seen, Jose Leclerc, mm-hmm. Jason Knapp. You guys like. You're oh, gonna Cody Patel. B- I mean, I'm not saying,
1: but but in the but, big leagues, he's you better seen, handle that. But the thing about it is, is we've seen it ourselves. We've seen him miss balls where you say, "Okay, what? the guy missed his spot." I get you. I get that, but it wasn't in the dirt. It wasn't that you had to come out of your crouch. It was. You just had problems getting your mid on it and holding on to it, and that's, and that's, I mean, that's the guys who see them. That's what they say, like still like him, but he doesn't. When you're talking about these comparisons, as toolsy as he is, you can't compare that to a guy like Swihart or Hedges, who is a much better receiver. It's, I mean, Swihart's a year older,
0: but he's a level ahead. He's more productive offensively, and, it's and he they're they're, they're quite they're both quite athletic. Is Alfaro more athletic? Maybe. But yeah. But Blake Swihart's a good athlete
1: yeah, too. Swihart's a good athlete. Alfaro, most athletic catcher in the game in the minors. I would, you know, I'm not. There might be some guy I'm not thinking of who just converted from shortstop or something. But Alfaro is as athletic right. as a catcher as you're going to see. But Kevin, Swihart, is, Swihart
0: Kev, is more skilled. Kevin Plawecki's a completely different animal from those guys. This is more of a college guy, high ceiling. I mean, high floor, lower ceiling compared to these guys. I mean, there is some ceiling here though, Josh. This, this guy has. Offensive ability, patience, he seems like he's gotten better at what the Mets really stressed to him, which is, don't just take some of these fastballs, just because they're fastballs that not exactly where you want to drive that pitch, be ready to hit that fastball. He feels like he's done that because the power numbers are up.
2: Yeah, I think he's very close to eclipsing Travis, lowercase d, Arnault, as <laughs> the uh, the catch of the future in the New York system, and let's talk to scouts who like him better, I think, at some point. We talked about results over potential, and Travis Arnault is... Uh, uh,
1: poster boy for that sort of thing,
0: yeah. Travis Darno is Travis Darn. No.
1: Well, oh, Travis Darn. <laughs> Travis Darno's thing. I, I still think he could be a very solid big league regular catcher, but his problem has always been he can't be healthy long enough to really ever put together a stretch.
0: But when he was in the big leagues this year, he left a lot of things. He's back in the big leagues. He's doing better Right, now. right. But I mean, he, but he he left a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. So it feels like. They're not giving up no, on this guy yet. But they're not. They're,
1: they're, I think they think of Pilecki as being more likely the long term answer than Darno. And I think you have to. Pilecki has a history of durability and tools wise, skills wise, you know, matches up pretty well with them. Um, but to me, okay, so then you get to the real debate, though, which is Austin Hedges versus Blake Swihart. Right. We've worked our way up to it. Hedges is still, I would say, better defensively. Hedges is kind of considered the gold standard, although. I'd have to say Roberto Pena with the Astros is least in that discussion. As and Christian
0: Vasquez and Christian Vasquez,
1: those are the guys in discussion. But Austin Hedges has been pretty much since since his first full year. He sprung fully formed, basically,
0: from the head of John Savage, and, and was yes. And
1: they really thought, okay, this is a guy who's really good defensively. I think that's true. At the plate, throw the caveats in. He's a catcher. Catchers take a long time to develop. Yadier Molina is the the outlier who you don't want to make him a trend, but Latviano Rolino was a terrible hitter for three years and ended up being basically an MVP candidate. Right. Okay, that being said, Hedges has never hit. He's had some good years, but Hedges has never hit like Swihart hits now. And Swihart has, I think, probably switch hitter with more offensive potential and is showing it more right now. You compare that, okay, you could say, I want Hedges first because he's got a little bit more defense, but Swihart's defense is very good. You're seeing an arm that it may not be Hedges' arm, but is a well above average arm. You're seeing receiving that is, it's not Vasquez in his own system, but it's perfectly acceptable, if not better than that. The trends are up. And Hedges, you just really kind of want, you know, 245, 291, 374 this year. Again, 21-year-old catcher in Texas where you're going to be, it's gonna be hundred and fifty pretty much right. for every game. He's probably getting pretty worn out. Yeah. All those caveats, that being said, Swyhart has more power that you know, more productive power. Swihart's the switch hitter, Swihart has a better hit tool. That's to me, that's why Swyhart's the better prospect.
0: And
2: Swihart has dealt and sure it's not Texas, but it's hot in the northeast too. And they've also dealt with the cold in Portland in the beginning of the year, yeah,
0: which is probably a bigger issue for a guy who's from New Mexico. Yeah, I mean, the heat probably doesn't bother him as much as the yeah. yeah. I mean, you, uh, you can, still, the cold. I,
1: it, it does get hot in the Northeast, but nothing like Texas. <laughs> I mean, no, it's
0: not. It's not the same. No doubt, it's not the same. Uh, uh, left-handed pitchers, you need to go, Bear. I don't know what you need to
2: go, but I was going to say something, but I forgot to say so.
0: I killed you, left-handed pitchers. Is another area I wanted to, to, you guys to debate because it feels like Henry Owens, Julio Urias. Um, Urias. Daniel Urias, I'm sorry, Daniel Norris. That's three really different cats to be your left-handed, top left-handed pitcher uh, in terms of stuff as well. Because Urias, there's pitchability there, but much more velocity than you would think, just kind of looking at him. Daniel Norris, I think probably the consistently the hardest thrower of those three at 91, 96. I think you were. Yurich is right there, with, right there him. with him. But isn't he more of a three pitch guy than than Norris, who has more of the fastball and the the curveball?
1: Yeah, more three pitch guy. But I'm saying, like Velo wise, you can see. I, well, that's why he ranks first here, right? Because he
0: combines the bat missing of Henry Owens with uh, a little better command. But if you're looking for, to me, it feels like Henry, like Daniel Norris, has a chance to have both. Uh, I, I may be putting too much stock in Daniel Norris. He's not there yet. But he's athletic. He's got as good a velocity as any of these guys, he seems like he's flashed the above average secondary stuff as well. I feel like he's taken off this year, Josh, and it feels like he could, there's still more to come with him. I feel like it's hard for Urias to get a whole lot better. He's per- ridiculously precocious, but the reports on him are already so good. I feel like there's still room to grow for Daniel Norris. I
2: mean, I, I like you, you talk about Urias. I like Urias a lot. I think, I think that's my guy of those three, just because I watched him in the spring this year and, you go, all oh, right, this is really good. And you go, wait a minute, he's 17 right. or 16 or whatever, whatever 18, he was. 18 uh, in was. August. 18 no. in August. Okay, so yeah, he was he was 17 when I was watching. You go, wait a minute. You know, there's still time for him to grow and not maybe not necessarily grow, but mature and learn how to pitch a little better and work with his stuff a little bit better. This, is, this guy is really good. And we talked about him earlier, but if you wrote a script and pitched this guy as a character in your baseball book, right. you'd get your book shredded. <laughs> and, and you would never work in the book industry again. You've got... A left-hander with the strange eye injury, who's 17, who's making is making fools of hitters, uh, not half his age, but <laughs> very much much older than him. Yeah, uh, that's not something you see in this world very often. A
0: guy who probably JJ can't watch half the movies, or isn't supposed to watch half the movies they show on the team bus. 17s yeah,
1: are are. 17. But
0: last year he was sixteen. Last year we had trouble. last year R-rated movies, he, he would not be admitted without parent or coach. He wouldn't have been admitted to like showgirls when it was in theater. <laughs>
1: Sure. And well, he 17, was... if I remember correctly. You might be right. But um, but the thing about Urius is, is that... know I'm sorry. I'm just not playing along. I apologize, guys. Okay. There's too much content to get it through. Um, the, the thing about it is with Urius is, is when you say where did, why did he end up ranking first, partly it was is that how we do this process is is we try to run you know our list. We get a prelim list together, and we run it by a whole lot of people in the industry. And, you know, and... Every time we get back, it would, one thing would be, I think you're low on Urius. Yeah. And we thought we were being pretty high on Urius, and then the more he talked, he was like, no, I think you're being a little low. So we kept bumping them up, and then we get some back. He's like, I think you're a little low on Urius. He's so hard to peg because there, he's a pitcher. It's not like a hitter. If a 16-year-old hitter's doing this, when Bryce Harper was coming up, you just know, okay, I – in very rare occasions, do a guy who has the ability to do this in the big leagues at eighteen not end up being a star? Right. That's not the case.
0: Pitchers. That that's actually going to be my last caveat on Urias.
1: He's an outlier because he's so good, so young. He could he could pitch right now in Double A. I I had scouts tell they're me. are confident. I had scouts tell me that he could have pitched in Double A last, last, last year. Right. There's a reason they're not. It makes sense. They're very much limiting his innings. They're very much limiting his outings. And there's like, okay, there's no real reason to. What does he gain by putting him in double A? But he could do it. That's great. The concern though is, is that, okay, how much added, how much does that add to your long term of you know pro- if you look at his stuff, it's really good. He's a top fifteen prospect because of his stuff. But do you really give him as much credit for being able to do this at seventeen, or does it just mean that he learned how to do these things at a at an age where most people haven't yet? Right. But in the long term, you look at it and say, okay, compared to a guy like Daniel Norris, Daniel Norris, at 17, wasn't close to what Urias was, but Daniel Norris, the trend keeps going up. Right? Does Urias' trend going to keep, is his skills going to keep going up, or are we seeing the guy who really, if you put him in the big leagues, he'd be, you know, he would figure it out, but he'd keep doing it, but he's just already almost big league ready. Yeah. And
2: he got an inning of big league time in spring training, and struck out two in a perfect inning. Right. matter of fact,
1: and Maybe
0: he doesn't have to get any better. But no, it's just I, very I, difficult to it's just very difficult to know what to do with a seventeen year old. He just is to me just so off the charts. I think that the the Giants. I think the Dodgers are being smart and limiting his work, but in some ways I almost wonder like, well if he can handle double A, maybe they should set him to double A AA and I'm not sure where they'd put him in their big league rotation right now, seeing as how they have like eighty million dollars of big league starting pitching. Um but he's not – it doesn't, doesn't feel like he's that far away the, from helping. The thing I'll say – His walk the, rate is pretty high right now. It's four walks per nine.
1: But he is pitching in the Cal League right. where you pitch places where you, you nibble a little bit because anything left out over the plate could end up uh, being blown in a 50-mile-hour jet. Right. Mark Appel says hi. Um, it's, it's one of those things, though, that that you look at it and you say, okay, of the teams out there – I'm going to do a story on this hopefully later this week – of the teams out there, now that the A's have traded to get Samarja and uh, Hamill, and they traded away Addison Russell, the Dodgers are the team out there of the buyers who really controls the market. Like, I mean, there there are other teams that can get creative and do deals, but the Dodgers are the team that has the premium prospects, and also for them, they have big league inventory right. to really be a part of whatever, and they also can take on payroll. To be a part of any trade that they want to be a part of. Between Urias, Corey Seager, Jock Peterson, there is no one out there who's probably trading to help the current big league club. The Cubs have more than that. Right. The Cubs don't care if they win more games in 2014 at this point. They just don't. The Red Sox are in the same boat. The right. Red Sox, why you know the Red Sox? I know that they are in Boston, so you except don't want to give up. Not,
0: except they're in last place in their division, and the that's Dodgers right. are in that's, first. That's, that's what I'm
1: talking about. That they're no the, saying, the, the he's the saying players. the Red Sox. He's saying the Red Sox aren't going to be buyers because I gotcha. Right, right, oh, is right. the
0: Cubs? They're the, I thought you're saying the same boat as yeah, the Dodgers. Right, right, you're saying right. same boat as the Cubs. Right. right. The Dodgers totally are a
1: potential buyer, and if you look at the buyers, again, the Twins. If you said the teams that could, Twins, Cubs, Red Sox, Pirates, and Dodgers. Well. The pirates, I would say, kind of are in that group as far as depth. But the problem for the pirates is, is a whole lot of their guys who you would like, you would be trade. You, you can't trade James and Tyo, right? You're, Austin Meadows at this point, you're not trading a guy who has not played this. So
0: year. many injuries, certainly. Like St. Louis, I guess would be somewhat in the discussion with the Dodgers, and as far as, but they don't have the same cash to me of premium prospects. They Oscar have Tavares
1: is a great starting point, right? But if they're if they were battling for that, they can. The Dodgers can say, okay, again. This is unlikely that these two end up in a bidding war for someone, but if they right. did. They say, "Okay, well, how about Jock Peterson?" And oh, yeah, by the way, we'll throw in a Seager. We'll throw in a Urias. The Cardinals don't have a prospect-wise, right. they have some good ones, but not a guy you can come back with. Rob Kaminsky doesn't make that list. I agree. I agree. Uh,
0: Josh, you silently are nodding in assent. I, su- I no, suppose. No, I, I, I agree
2: with you. I think I think the Cardinals could assemble a pretty good package if you started with Tavares. You added a guy. If you want more outfielders, you can add Piscotti to that deal. You can add, if you're really being frisky, you could add Marco Gonzalez.
0: From a depth standpoint, I do think St. Louis has more depth. But usually in these trades, what we just saw was you don't make the big splash trade with depth. You make it with the Addison Russells, the Jock Petersons, those kind of prospects. If you're the buying
1: team, this is uh, another tangent. We don't need to go full tangent here. But we talked about that Phillies trade, the Phillies-Astros trade, where they got Singleton and they got Santana. You know, and Cozart and Zyde. Right. And you, you look at that trade. That's a rare trade. And that, that was a trade of an, a big guy, you know, for faraway prospects.
0: Yes. Yeah, Dest
1: of potential impact guys. Right. It is. And
0: they mo- mixed it up. They went a portfolio approach basically to the trade. They went hitters. They went pitchers. I mean, they so
1: split I, it up. But most of the time, again, if you're the, if you're mm. the selling team, if you get a choice between that and the choice of getting an absolute premium guy, you want the premium guy, especially the premium guy who's close to the big leagues. I mean, that's again, that's what Jock Peterson, if the Dodgers want to trade him, right. there's some warts there with the swing and miss this year. I think that's pretty easy getting bad habits when you see that anytime you connect, it can go real far away right. in the uh, PCL. But they have a guy who you say, okay, look, you're not, you're not, you're not projecting on what he's going to be. Could this guy make it to the big leagues three years from now? You're saying you can plug him in right now.
2: And again, I think I brought up earlier, if you're going to trade with the Cardinals for this guy, do you look at their track record and say, maybe these guys are the right guys, even though they're not the sexiest profiles? Maybe they're the best bet to develop into good guys because the Cardinals have looked at them and said so.
0: That's how you do always one of but the Cardinals.
1: But if they're selling them, are they the ones that they know? the exactly.
0: Cardinals hitters have almost become like Braves pitchers used to be. Like Brett Wallace and Zach Cox make me think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't trade for a Cardinals hitter because usually they held if they on. They want to, to get
1: their, rid of them. Maybe that's they, the exactly they hold on to the ones. Point.
0: Those two guys were first-round picks, and they held on to the Matt Carpenters and the Matt Adamses of the world, and those are two of their best hitters they right now. They evaluated
1: themselves very well. That's hard to do, but they knew. They, they the were key. off Brett Wallace within about an hour of drafting him. Yeah,
0: no, you're exactly right. That's, and we've we've You and I have talked about that for years, where that, that's the first thing. The first key to making a good trade is knowing your own players. The second key is knowing the other the players you're getting, but knowing what you're giving up and being willing to give those players up but that's why when we talk to uh, A's sources about uh, this trade, they're like, well, it's a very emotional trade for us because they really believed in Billy McKinney and Addison Russell. That's why this trade was so bold and so gutsy and fun as a baseball fan. It really was a fun trade. It's been fun since then watching Jeff Samarge's reaction to it. I mean, like, that guy's jacked and pumped and jacked to be <laughs> part of that trade. I think it will be in a that's, playoff race. He's he's the sharp, he
1: gets to the- <laughs> – yeah. When's, last, when's the last Jeff Samarja game that really where he pitched and went, this This is going to – there's a lot riding on this. The Big East tournament in 2006 maybe. But You know, going over the middle against Ohio State <laughs> or something. That's I probably mean, it actually. So. But in actually the All-Star Mich- game now, so that kind of stands Yeah, Michigan, for sorry. But, they don't play – they didn't play All
0: right, last thing. Who's the bigger surprise being on this midseason top 50? Is it Aaron Blair of the Diamondbacks or Dalton Pompey of the Blue Jays? I ask you, Bear. Talented Pompey. I mean, my goodness, Aaron Blair had a pedigree coming in. We, we knew he was a commodity.
1: That, that's easy. Uh, I'll say Pompey, too. I, and the thing about it is that we knew a Pompey, ranked in the Blue Jays top 30 coming into the year, uh, was a very intriguing, toolsy prospect. Really, it was a question of, okay, can he build on a, a very solid 2013, but not spectacular 2013 season? And the answer is is, yes, he built a whole lot on that. Your so it's suit. real,
0: and it has a chance to be spectacular with him? Absolutely,
1: Jerry. <laughs> but it's, it is it is one of those things where you look at him and say, okay, center fielder with on-base skills and some pop.
0: That, yes, that's please. a good combo. Yeah, like the last line of Clint Longnecker's report, Pompey will likely begin 2014 at Dunedin, has the athleticism, makeup, and tools to be an everyday big leaguer at a premium position. Hence, when you start showing, not just – Showing that that's potential but you start playing like that top 50 prospects the, the best
1: way to put it is is the two guys who are at the very back end of that list who we debated about is him and Brandon Nemo a pair of guys center fielders in the FSL who had very who had very good first half certainly similar profiles on the surface but they're very different right. and but they both you, you look at it and say okay the thing with Nemo and him both of them have both of them have the plate discipline on base skill and in many ways, Power is the hardest thing to find, but that's the hardest thing to develop. It, it's one of those things that very few guys go from a I swing at everything, I make contact approach to I know my pitch, I know when to draw to take a walk too because the walk's good too. Seems like Pompey is
0: closer to what he actually will be than Nimmo. There's more projection involved with Nimmo because Nimmo, Nimmo's going to be a he's corner. He's pro- but like, the best case scenario for Nimmo is He's going to want up a power hitter on a corner, maybe more like a twenty home run guy, twenty twenty five home best runs. Best
1: case scenario is is that somehow he adds, the keeps power. adding power, keeps adding strength, but keeps his speed to where at least first half is creating playing center. I, again, if you say it's likely, I probably wouldn't say that. But if you said best case scenario, I think he does play center at least for a while. That's it's, the best case. Scenario the
0: reports on him almost sound like kind of like a Michael Brantley kind of player. You know, like good hit will he come into power not sure maybe it'd be better if he fit in center field but could be probably better fit on the corner not bad. kind of like that kind of tweener and we've seen michael braley said kind of come into his power later in his career in cleveland and be the best player in that cc sabathia trade whereas at the time he was kind of the sleeper in that trade yeah he's, he's dr smooth for a
2: reason right now that's a nickname in cleveland circles apparently those ah.
0: cleveland circles are small oh the they ones- reached twitter yeah, but there's still Cleveland Twitter. I mean, like that's Cleveland like a rocks, whole little John, subset Cleveland of Twitter. Cleveland rocks. That that shows at least fifteen years old. I know he's on the prices <laughs> so, right now. <laughs> that's right. Um, but Pompey, I mean, like what? What's the comp on Dalton Pompey? I mean, the speed profile center fielder who is really that guy these days in the big leagues? Because you can't say Michael Tr- Mike Trout. I'm no, not, no, no, no. Or no, Mike no. Gout. You, you can't. You can't say
1: Mike. I, so, of you, you throw a Mike Trout comp on any anybody right now, you're just crazy.
0: Yeah, speed just,
1: guy in center field,
0: who's like a leadoff guy, Michael Bourne. Yeah, is he kind of that kind of guy? I mean, I don't feel like he's like an eighty runner. I mean, he's like he's, not, but he's fast, but he's not a blazer. He's not a
2: he's not a born runner.
0: Maybe he's not Brett Gardner, Jacoby
1: Ellsbury well, yeah, kind Gardner, of. You said
2: eighty. Brett Gardner is eighty. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the problem is, is
1: I think the you know, but the best thing I can put it is, is I, I think he's a. You know, whichever guy this ends up being, but he's in an ideal scenario for him. He's a 270, 345, 350, 420 guy who plays center, a good center field, and runs the bases well. Right. You put that, that together, that has a lot of value. That's a valuable player. I mean, I, I know it sounds crazy, but no, because he's fast. He's too fast. So I was going to say the the stat line with that Billy Hamilton's putting up this year, <laughs> right, with a little bit more on base and same amount of power. I cannot believe I'm saying that because Billy Could... Hamilton has been.
0: Good way to finish though, JJ, because Billy Hamilton is a great example to me of prospecting is difficult, but also like one of the things that we can't always account for, um, and neither can the scouts that we talk to at the who do either amateur scouting or pro scouting is player development at the major league level, and that's what's intrigued me the most about Billy Hamilton. He's better in a lot of ways than what we thought he was going to be at, at the pro level. Has that just been? To me, that's just a function of his natural athleticism oh, responding to what he's been challenged two, with. Two things.
1: One, one is is kind of what you said there, and then, uh, I remember a scout saying this when he was in low A and saying, with Billy Hamilton, don't put limits on him because right. his athleticism is so special that he will figure things out that you don't think he can figure out. Right. So that's part one. Part two is is that Billy Hamilton, give him incredible amounts of credit because it's easy to play baseball when you're going well and riding the wave. Billy Hamilton has many times had points where it looked like he was really struggling to do something. Right. He never goes into the uh, to basically a funk because of it. He just goes out there and says, okay, I need to work harder. And because of that, he has gotten, you go back to his low A year, he was hitting under 200 at the midway part of the low A year. They were saying, you know, it's like, should I stop switch hitting? No. Second half of the year, he was much better. Next year, he was much better. Struggled some in AAA, but he just kept working at it. Learned a new position. And now you say, okay, again, I think we may be seeing, I don't want to put limits on him. Don't, is this, is this don't. maybe the best we can see for Billy Hamilton? Maybe. But you know what? You can't put limits on him because he's, he's so athletic this week. The the, the the ceiling on him is way more unlimited than we may think.
0: He's he, I think he's my favorite slugging, big leaguer right now. He's slugging 417. He has an ISO of like over 130. He amounts. has an
1: ISO that him and Chris Davis' ISO are very similar.
0: That's crazy. That's, that's, that's the most insane thing I've heard all day, and I live with me. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to end it. That's been 80 minutes. I, I, I would figure out a way to poke the
1: bear. JJ, do you have a way to poke the bear? Oh, We're at eighty Just minutes It's so, okay. If you want to do it, it's just not hard. I'll, I'll show you how, John. Okay, so now we're to poking the bear. So, I bear. I, I, what, guess what, I already did on this. What, small what hand. Bo- yeah, really, what's bothering you this week, bear? All right, we, we talked about it earlier
2: and we disagreed on some See, it's stuff. It's We disagree on some stuff, but when I hear a couple phrases, uh, my ears kind of get all red and I get very angry. You want to explode? I want to explode really bad. Um, tie goes to the runner is one i never want to oh, hear again no. don't <laughs> so, bring that one back uh, you, i gave you a preview earlier i'm not changing and I'm sad, this, this is bad podcasting but foul tip is the same way broadcasters fans get this right a foul tip is a live ball it goes directly back into the catcher's mitt and is caught by the catcher runners can advance a foul ball straight back that is barely hit is a foul ball those are two different things Please stop calling them the same.
0: So a it's, foul ball was not a foul tip necessarily. Correct.
2: Foul tips are one thing. If it, if it tips the ball, goes to back directly into the catcher's mitt, he can catch it. It's still a strike. The batter is out. He can throw to second and nail a runner. I, I, was, a, I was an umpire for about 12 years. I saw a case where you call a foul tip, and the runner had stolen second, thinking it was a foul ball. He left second base, returned to first, and the catcher did not attempt to make a play on him. That was he the gave worst. up the
0: base on his own. He,
2: he stole first. That's it.
0: <laughs> not even Billy Hamilton could do that. Oh, hopefully it never Germany will do Schaefer that. was
2: the last guy to do that before they outlawed
0: it. Why, would they, why was that legal? Because why not? Yeah, exactly. Because it was the 19th century and nobody knew any better. Right.
2: So what we're getting at is we're going to dispute forever on Tygo's the Runner, but foul tip is indisputable. I agree on that. That's a live ball. <laughs>
0: And this is Poking the Bear, brought to you by J.J. Cooper. So this a J.J. and the Bear podcast. I was uh, lucky enough to have been a part of it. We'll make it a rare occurrence, however. So uh, I have to find a new podcast partner in the winter when, uh, when, when Aaron just flees the office and does not podcast anymore. i your
1: podcast with
0: you, John. Uh, the J.J. and the Bear podcast has some traction. It has the g- greatest GIF in the history of Baseball America GIFs. Are they
1: GIFs? GIFs. I they're prefer gifts. GIFs. They're, they're amazing. The creator said they're GIFs, so they're GIFs. The person right. who made GIFs.
0: All right, well, then it's the greatest GIF in Baseball America history. It's going to be hard to beat it. I'm very proud of the the being the brain that being my brainchild. That's about the most productive thing I've done in the last six months, besides hiring Jacob Emmert as an intern. So for Jacob and Josh and JJ, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.